crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people trying to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn you went. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in their guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. But as always, I am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And time of the broadcast, as of this moment, we happen to be uh, doing this on November 7th of 2023. So if you're listening to the rebroadcast anywhere on the Vera Networks, uh, that will be why I can't talk to you yet about the results from today's elections. Uh, so we'll be talking about that, of course, over the uh, over the course of the weekend. Now, uh, there are some things that are fast moving and uh, a few quick hit things that I wanted to touch on before I get into today's primary storylines. But before we do even that, I want to go ahead and talk to you once again about our friends, our newest sponsors, the folks over at the Harvard Gold Group. Now, it's important to keep in mind that when you take a long look at what's going on in the financial world, it's no coincidence that all of the entities that control fiat currencies anywhere around the world have significant gold holdings. So that leads to one inevitable question. Shouldn't you? The answer is yes, by the way. And in times like these, it's more important than ever to do business with people that share your values, which is why I highly recommend you use my gold company, 
the Harvard Gold Group. They are the premier conservative gold company. And all you have to do is give them a phone call at 844-977-GOLD. That's 844-977-4653. And be sure to mention promo code TAP, T-A-P-P, during your conversation while you get yourself a 100% free copy of their uh, asset protection advisory. Your financial privacy is on the line. So again, that's 844-977-GOLD, 844-977-4653, or you can just go to harvardgoldgroup.com. And again, be sure to use promo code TAP, T-A-P-P, mention TAP into the truth. If you're talking to someone, just make sure you do that so that you can qualify for an additional special level of free gold or silver on top of whatever other promotions are going on with a qualifying purchase. Uh, go check it out today. Bidenomics, you need to protect your stuff. Okay. With that having been said, let's jump right into uh, today's things. Uh, real quick, we saw Stephen Crowder, of all people, manage to get his hands on a few pages of the Nashville Shooters Manifesto. So these leaked pages uh, made their way to Stephen Crowder. Stephen Crowder put it out, released it, part of his podcast on uh, Monday. Now, you can take a long, hard look at what's in here. There's no surprises, really. I mean, other than the fact that there was a serious hint that just maybe, just maybe the shooter should have been stopped. The shooter thought she had been caught a few times. In fact, she specifically mentions a time frame in 2021 when she really thought she should have been caught. Outside of that, everything else, the only thing that may be somewhat surprising is the level of demented, the level of mental illness that truly seemed to be permeating from this girl who declared herself to be a man uh, some time ago. Now, the only reason I really mention this, again, because there's very little surprising here, is the fact that the response to this event, the response to Steven Crowder being the guy who breaks this story, who gets his hands on this random act of journalism, a man who is primarily a comedian, by his own assertion, but a man who does stand for, you know, some reasonable conservative principles, whether you like him or don't like him, doesn't matter. He is a legit conservative in most uh, issues, okay? You might still find something that you may not think he is. That's not the point. The point is, is that the mainstream legacy media gets angry at Stephen Crowder for breaking the story. Now, he's not the one that leaked these pictures, but the leaked pictures of these particular three pages of the manifesto gets in his hands. 
So everybody in the legacy media gets angry. How dare you do this, Stephen? How dare you let the entire world uh, know a little bit of what was going on inside the mind of this very deeply disturbed individual who murdered six innocent people, three children, three adults, and evidently was upset about white privilege and uh, people being rich. And it's not like this girl was living a harsh life on the wrong side of the track. So it's clear that she fell into the mindset of, well, the left's favorite uh, dividing line now. The reason why it's okay to support terrorists like Hamas. The delineation between oppressor and oppressed. You know, they, they've completely redefined what it means to be oppressor or oppressed. They've completely redefined what it means. Because somehow, if you're poor, you're oppressed. No, that's that's not how that works. Now, oppression can result in that, but just being poor doesn't mean you're oppressed. Being oppressed means that you're oppressed. Doesn't matter much. That having been said, it's worth noting, and it's important to continue to watch this. Hopefully, this will actually put more pressure on the powers that be to release the entirety of the manifesto. Because the one point above any other that needs to be made is that if you are going to actually try to solve the problem, if you're actually going to take a legitimate look at what led to the events of this particular shooting, if you're going to delve beyond the the headlines that the leftists want to put forward of, oh, well, this is about gun control, or oh, this is about racism, or hey, let's quickly start talking about what happened at the state capitol in Tennessee instead of the fact that we have clearly a mentally ill person uh, went out and committed a horrific act of violence against innocent children. Now, we, we can't talk about that, so let's change that narrative. Let's make it about racism for some folks that illegally led a protest in the state capitol while they're supposed to be acting as representatives for districts in the state house you know we'll we'll focus on that instead the nashville three yeah okay whatever ultimately it's an absurdity if you're going to delve into the actuality that led to this then we need to know what happened and it's been nearly a year it's been over seven months since the events that happened and and i would be one of the first people to say let's respect the wishes of those who are most directly affected. I'm the first person to get on here uh, every time there's a mass shooting. And the left, of course, instantly tries to, before the bodies have had a chance to get cold, want to turn it into a political event. But I'm not talking about using this for political rationale. I'm talking about using the information that is in this manifesto, that's in these journals, that's in every memo that was left and written and all these electronic devices that were taken up all in accordance to what the Nashville police stated that they picked up as evidence. Let's use it to get to the actual root cause of what pushed this young woman who suddenly came to believe that she was a man over the edge 
to commit such heinous acts of deranged evil. She may not have been evil, but what she did was evil. She may merely be a victim of this horrific mental derangement. She needed help. Evidently, she already had an issue with the principal at the school. There had been a face-off there before. There, there was a huge backstory here that we have generally not been allowed to know. We need to get to the bottom of everything so we can prevent it from happening again. And no, sorry leftists, just taking guns away from law-abiding citizens isn't going to get it done. Okay, I've already spent too much time on this story. Uh, you're getting plenty of coverage on it uh, everywhere else, so uh, I'm going to move on now. Here's a story that's not getting enough coverage, but I think is very important. you have any idea how many American troops have been injured in Iraq and Syria uh, due to drone attacks since the events literally a month ago uh, on October 7th? Well, let me tell you, it's more than twice as many as the Pentagon has actually disclosed to us. At least 45 Americans 45, at least, have been injured in recent attacks in Iraq and Syria. Again, we've been told less than half that. We've been told by the Pentagon that only 21 service members have suffered traumatic brain injuries as a result of two drone attacks by the Iranian-backed Houthi militia. But... And additional 24 troops have since reported such injuries. Even NBC now is reporting that the number is more than twice as high as what the Pentagon has acknowledged. That brings the total number of injured troops to 45. That number is still subject to rise because evidently not every military individual that has been injured in these drone attacks has been made public yet. NBC News. Again, NBC, boys and girls. They've tallied at least 38 separate attacks on bases housing U.S. troops in Syria and Iraq. That's just since October 17th. Mainly by one-way drones. Uh, in some cases, though, by mortars or even rockets. The two attacks that caused... The majority of the injuries that have been reported so far uh, involving U.S. forces both occurred on October 18th. One of the attacks targeted a base in Syria. Two drones were involved. One of them was shot down, but the other struck the base, injuring U.S. troops. The other attack targeted the uh, al-Assad air base in Iraq. Again, two drones were involved. Both were shot down, but one broke apart over the base. The debris destroyed a hangar and injured troops inside. These Iranian-backed militias, they launched a separate attack on October 25th that could have been catastrophic. Fortunately, it was not as bad as it could have been. The fact that it happened at all is why the Pentagon is trying to downplay this. Let's, let's be as honest and upfront as we can about this. They don't want the American people being all riled up about attacks against American troops. 
that are targeting American troops, that are targeting America. They don't want you getting upset about that. They want you, if you're going to be upset at all, they want you upset about uh, the poor, poor Palestinians in Gaza because uh, Israel is forced to attack civilian buildings because that's where Hamas has hidden all of their operations. That's where they've hidden all their staging areas, where they've hidden their equipment, where they have their tunnels underground uh, underneath the buildings. Be angry about that. The poor, poor Palestinians, despite the fact that there was footage going around today. I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but there was a legitimate footage of Israelis opening up pathways so that civilians in Gaza could make their way to the south. They literally had to undo barricades. They literally had to physically fight members of Hamas. Hamas, who was trying to keep the civilians there. Hamas, who has openly said that the more civilians that get dead, the better it is for them. They want the innocent people to be murdered. Uh, although, again, I still question how much innocence is involved if you're somebody that actually voted for Hamas to be in charge. You kind of knew what you were getting. But back to this story. We're talking about a drone-laden with explosives that crashed into the upper floor of the U.S. barracks at uh, the uh, Airville Air Force Base. Well, it's not an Air Force Base, but it's an air base in Iraq. Now, thankfully, the weapon failed to detonate there. This, of course, is back to the October 25th attack. If that drone had exploded the way it was intended to, it would have killed U.S. troops across the board. They're trying to kill U.S. defense officials. They're trying to kill Americans. They're trying to target. Not that they really want to kill Americans at this point. I mean, they do. But really, this is about testing the Biden administration. This is about seeing how much resolve the Biden administration has when it comes to taking and putting a stop to people that are targeting Americans, that are targeting American interest in the region. And again, because the Biden administration has simply tried to create this alliance. I mean, and that's really what they're trying to do. They're trying to create an alliance with Iran, with the mullahs, with the grand leader, the supreme leader, the Ayatollah, they're just following through with the efforts that the Obama administration had done when it comes to the region. They can't bring themselves to, to do anything that might endanger their efforts. In fact, they're going to continue to look the other way and to try to send them more money when, you know, the American citizens aren't paying enough attention. Now, these attacks that have been targeting U.S. military personnel that are stationed currently in Syria and stationed currently in Iraq. They're being done in an effort to dislodge the U.S. presence in the region, to disrespect 
the power that the American government actually has and could wield in the region if they have the spine to do so. They've occurred despite recent fortification of U.S. air defenses in the region, which are actually intended to shield U.S. troops who are serving in Iraq, Syria, Kuwait, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, and in the United Arab Emirates. The idea is to protect them from enemy rockets and missiles, but what's happening is these attacks continue to happen. Now, there are currently three lawmakers, all three of them military veterans, who sent a letter to the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin this past Monday asking for further information about how the Pentagon plans to protect U.S. troops deployed in the Middle East. Quoting here, the department must proactively work to reduce the risk to service members, both to protect our men and women in uniform and to preserve the capability and readiness of forward operating bases. This from Representative Ruben Gallego, a Democrat from Arizona, Morgan Luttrell, a Republican from Texas, and Bill Johnson, a Republican from Ohio. Now, I'm going to give a hats off to Reuben because uh, as a Democrat, you don't expect him to take up such a message. So, uh, you know, you do the right thing, you get a hat tip. All right. Congratulations for honoring your oath first. Now, I, I don't care if it's performative. I don't care if it's just because they're in a district that's more purplish. Whatever the rationale is, when you do the right thing, whatever the rationale, you get credit for it, okay? We need to we need to be a little more forgiving ourselves uh, for such a thing. So 45 troops, as a minimum, have been seriously injured brain injury in several cases. These people have been peppered by debris from busted up uh, drones. We, we've had a drone attack that fortunately was a dud. We have a situation on the ground where it doesn't matter if the Houthi rebels or Hezbollah or even Hamas are directing it. Now, we know Hamas has their hands full with Israel and they're not, but it doesn't matter because no matter which individual you want to point a finger at as being directly responsible, we know who is ultimately responsible. And that is Iran. The very people that this administration wants to buddy up with, the very people that this administration wants to be friends with, wants to give them money, wants to buy their loyalty, and for what purpose? They've already aligned with Russia decades and decades ago. Russia now currently aligned with China. In fact, I think that right now you can continue to make the case, as I have previously, that if you're going to assign ultimate responsibility, you could probably take and put that squarely on the shoulders of the CCP. The, the Chinese, they're able to pull the marionette strings from a safe enough distance that nobody's going to say, hey, you did this. You can stop. We need someone to actually start putting pressure on China, to start putting pressure on Iran to stop this crap. We're literally sending money 
whether we're talking about Iran, so, well, that was their money anyway. Yeah, there's a reason we froze it. It was to slow down the proliferation of terrorism in the region. You, you don't get to, to reap the ill-gotten gains and put it to further evil use when you have a moral people that recognize the danger inherent. The problem is, uh, with moral relevancy in play, nobody understands what actual morality looks like anymore. Oh, you know, it's a complicated situation. It, what right do you have to keep them from having their money? Well, what right do you have to take my money from me uh, in the form of taxes? You just gave yourself the right and you keep trying to do it, don't you? Well, now, now, tell me, we have to run the government. Do you really? Do you? I don't think, I think a government shutdown would just be just fine. The real issue here is way too many people have become dependent on the government. They expect it. You guys don't have carte blanche to just do whatever. But for the love of Pete, if you're going to decide there are things we're going to do and things we're not going to do, things we're going to allow and things we're not going to allow, let's start targeting the actual bad guys for a change. Can we do that at least? Well, who are the bad guys here, Tim? Okay, well, I'm just call me silly. I'm going to say the first level of bad guys here are the people that are legitimately targeting Americans, regardless of the reason why. If you're targeting an American, you're a bad guy. Then we can take it a step further. Are you encouraging terrorism anywhere around the world? Then you're a bad guy. And there is no nuance. There is no, let's take a look at the whole history. No, there is no whole history. Every single individual that's going around chanting from the river to the sea, you're demanding the genocide of the Jewish people. You can say that, oh, I just thought it was a, a catchy slogan. It doesn't matter. Learn the reality. Learn the actual history of what you're chanting before you get on board with it. You're supporting terrorism. You're supporting individuals that wish to commit acts of genocide, that literally believe that they have a religious responsibility to commit acts of genocide. And it's not just limited to the Jewish people. It's literally limited to every other person that's not the exact same type of Muslim that they are. Period. That's it. They're a dangerous group of people when we're talking about Hamas, when we're talking about Hezbollah, when we're talking about the Ayatollah and all the mullahs that are running around. They are dangerous to everyone other than themselves. If you're not part of their clique, you're on the list. It's just a question of when they come for you. They'll come for the Jews first. They'll come for the Christians next. They'll come for whoever's left over. The agnostics come after that. And if you're some lefty here in the States and you think that somehow you're on their side, if you're part of Queers for Palestine, oh yes, you're so very active. You're so very strong. You're doing such a great job protesting all the darkness and evil that the, the terrible, terrible Israelis are perpetrating on the world and all the terrible, terrible Americans are perpetrating around the world for siding with the Israelis against acts of murderous, ravenous terrorism. 
if you think for one second that they are also on the same side as you, I, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're a damn fool. It's that simple. I, I don't want to get to the name-calling facts here, and I don't want to shut you down to stop you from listening, but you need to understand, it doesn't matter that you think you're on their side. They're not on your side. If you're a queer for Palestine, if they get to a point where they get to establish Sharia, you're getting tossed off the top of a building. And if you need any further proof of that, you need to understand that the area that was targeted the heaviest on October 7th, the area that Hamas went after, were the ultimate lefties of Israel. They were the ones that were trying to, to get additional supplies into Gaza. They were the ones that thought that they could kumbaya their way to peace with a group that just wants to annihilate them. They literally gave jobs to Palestinians that were living in Gaza. And what did they get in return? These people that came over and worked, that got these day passes, I believe they were called green passes there, to come over, worked it. They were, they were just collecting intel. They let them know. The layouts of the houses, how many people they can find in the houses, what was going to be going on. This has been discovered. This is who you're dealing with. They're not nice people. We need to recognize who the enemies are. And right now, if you're not going to go any further into the axis of evil that currently exists, then the bug has to stop with the rant. We at the very least need to start realizing who the bad guys are. Stop playing patty cake. Let's take a mid-hour break. Uh, right after I remind you about our friends over at Four Patriots. Yes, that's right. You guys have been doing a, a great job of visiting Four Patriots and taking advantage of the offers that they've got. And I appreciate every one of you for doing so. But right now, we know things. <sighs> We're sitting on a powder keg, guys. With Biden in the office, uh, we got all kinds of crazy going on. Things are going sideways. But at least, thankfully, for most of us here in the States, it's not necessarily going sideways in our neighborhoods. But when things do go sideways where you're at, will you be prepared? There's a lot of people out there right now that are concerned that they may have to go a long time without electricity or maybe even without food. That's why I've been trying to get each and every one of you to visit our friends over for Patriots. You need to get yourself ready by getting preparedness products that you can use now and that could save your life later. Now, it doesn't matter uh, what you're looking at as far as what you need to be prepared. You just need to go take a visit. I mean, my favorite, of course, I've got the Patriot Power Sidekick, and I love it. And it's just a small backup thing. They've got huge power generators over there, like the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. It uses an endless free supply of power to recharge. We're talking about the sun, okay? And you can use this to recharge the generator. You can just plug in and you can keep your TV operating, uh, medical equipment. You can even run your refrigerator off of this big thing. You just need to check it out. Plus, it's expandable. 
It comes with a free solar panel that is really, really cool. Or you can pick up uh, some of Four Patriots' best-selling survival food kits. Delicious tasting and designed to last for up to 25 years. Good luck keeping it if you got a lot of people in the house and they've tried it. The food is fantastic. You're not just going to survive. You're going to thrive on the survival food kits from Four Patriots. They've, they've got kits with real meat. they got kits with desserts. And if the power is out and you don't have the backup power supply, you still don't have to be worried about going hungry. All you have to do is just boil some water over a fire. You can simmer and serve. This food is designed for ease of use. You'll enjoy a hot meal and you'll stay safe in a crisis. More smart people than ever are making their way over to Four Patriots. Join them. Be part of the over 2 million customers that already trust 4Patriots. You might even have seen 4Patriots on TV by now. Join those 2 million plus customers. And uh, join them by checking out the special page for listeners of this show. Yes, that's right. I had the folks over at 4Patriots set up a special page just for you guys. All you have to do is go to fourpatriots.com backslash T-A-P-P so that you, a listener of this show, can see this week's discounts and special deals before they go away, whether it's the sale ending or the product possibly selling out. Either way, you don't want to miss out uh, on something that you really, really ought to have. So go to fourpatriots.com backslash T-A-P-P. But hurry, the deals that are on that page, they won't last long. They will change out. But the current deals won't last. Save more. Get peace of mind now by going once again to the number four, patriots.com backslash T-A-P-P. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Hi, this is Tim Rivers from American Gulag Chronicles, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. People who profess to be followers of Christ or Christians used to understand what it means to love your enemies. But unfortunately today, many Christians have totally gotten it twisted up. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Browns Coffee. Today, westernized woke Christianity is being foisted upon millions of unsuspecting sovereign individuals conned into foolishly believing that love your enemy means have no enemies. Because of such utter tomfoolery, vast numbers of professing Christians or believers in Jesus Christ have become morally neutered and hopelessly apathetic towards, and now in many cases, tolerant of unbridled wicked activities now fully engaged and ingrained into every aspect of our beleaguered republic turned of mobocracy. As a result, most Christians are now wimpus Americanus apologeticus and stuck in the ridiculous realms of fear and inaction. The so-called believers in Christ or Christians are go-along to get-along simpletons who no longer know right from wrong or are just cowardly to even train up their children in the way that they should go. Mm. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me live weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern, to find out where follow me via Truth Social at The Edwards Notebook One. 
these stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire around 65 years old. And the idea of Beanstalks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key. The idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly But the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. Introducing Einstock. Drink. Conquer. Repeat. Skull. Einstock beer is a globally distributed, award-winning Icelandic craft beer. Einstock is created from the Icelandic water that flows from glaciers through lava fields and delivers some of the purest water on Earth. Knowing that beer is 95% water, we source the first and most vital ingredient from the local springs of a mountain that stands guard over the town of Akiari, just 60 miles south of the Arctic Circle. Einstock beer is crafted with locally sourced ingredients, and the brewery runs from the 100% renewable energy sources, geothermal and hydropower. Einstock has become the number one craft beer and also the number one alcohol export from Iceland. Here in the United States, you can find Einstock beer on the shelves at retail chains like ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, Bemmo, Cost Plus World Market, HEB in Texas, Kroger, Publix, Target, Total Wine, Trader Joe's, and Whole Foods, just to name a few. So won't you raise a glass and drink Conquer. Repeat. Skull. When I invented my pillow, my passion was to help each and every one of you. And 20 years later, all of your support is what keeps us going. Because of you, we've been able to create thousands of USA jobs and help millions get the best sleep ever. To thank you, my employees and I are bringing you a limited edition my pillow. The Giza Elegance My Pillow is made with my patented adjustable fill, the most amazing cotton, and a two-inch pipe gusset. It has four custom loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and you get my 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. Go to mypillow.com and use promo code TAPP or call 1-800-659-9936. That's mypillow.com with promo code TAPP. Use your promo code to get your limited edition 20th anniversary MyPillow queen size. Retails for $69.98, now only $19.98. That's right, get a queen size MyPillow for only $19.98. From all of us here at MyPillow... 
Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. Hey, Jared, what's up? Well, my company gave me this Pride T-shirt. They say I gotta wear it to celebrate the LGBTQ. That's not really my thing, and, well, I sure as hell don't want to promote it. Yeah, I can understand that. What are you gonna do? I don't know. I'm just tired of all this woke bullshit. I mean, I've worked 20 years for this company. Well, they've been great until they started all this crap. I just want a job where I'm not forced to support all this nonsense. Yeah, I hear you. I'm Andrew Krabschett, CEO of RedBalloon.Work, America's woke-free job board. We connect good employees with great companies without all that woke bullshit. So if you're an employee who's tired of all the nonsense, then put your resume on Red Balloon. And if you're an employer looking for hardworking, reliable job seekers, then post your open jobs at RedBalloon.Work. I'm Andrew Krabschett. Wait, no, it's okay, guys. That's just my last name. I'm Andrew Krabschett from RedBalloon.Work. Check us out today. Hello, this is Stella Morabito, author of The Weaponization of Loneliness, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. Do want to give a quick reminder to everyone that right now, more than ever, if you are legally eligible to carry your sidearm, then you should be doing exactly that. Uh, there's no question about it. There's no two ways about it. You need to protect yourself. You need to be prepared in the event that that very, very bad, terrible, no good day arises where you have to stand up and defend yourself, your family, your friends, your neighbors, or even just your property. And yes, you are allowed to defend your property regardless of what the lefties say. You do not want to find yourself in the horrific disadvantage of not having that great equalizer. So please, for everything that is holy in heaven do not do not put yourself at a disadvantage especially if it's because of something silly like eh, this particular holster is not really comfortable now <laughs> i say that because i've done it okay i got a holster to go with my new sidearm i was all like Hey, this is really, really cool. I kind of like it. I think it's going to be great. And then ah, it didn't work so well. Well, if you're looking for a comfortable holster, the folks over at Vanish Holster have got you covered. According to thousands of their customers, it's the most comfortable holster, period. And it's also designed to save you money. Yes, that's right. It's designed to work with Almost all semi-automatic handguns, it's designed to work without the need of a tactical belt. It will hold two additional magazines, you know, in case you need to do a quick reload. And again, usually that's something that you need a tactical belt for. So it's designed to work without it. Plus, 
if one position is not working great for you, it's adjustable to the point that you can carry in multiple positions. You can find the one that's going to work best for you. So just go to www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P and check out what they've got going on. Very important to use the backslash T-A-P-P, by the way. Uh, number one, it lets them know I sent you. But number two, it automatically activates for you a $40 discount. That's not a bad deal. Now, I'm not real sure. I haven't heard anything in a bit uh, from them exactly when this before the end of the year price increase is coming either. So if you've been uh, if you've already visited and you've just been putting off making a purchase or if you've been putting off just visiting to see what's going on and you think there's a chance that you might be interested in a vanish holster, I, I can't encourage you enough to go sooner rather than later. See what they've got going on. Take advantage of the $40 discount and take advantage of the current pricing before the price goes up. They've been holding on, but Bidenomics has been hard on everybody. They're going to have to raise prices before the end of the year. Do not wait until it's too late, if you know what I mean. All right, that's www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. All right, let's see if I got enough time to sneak two California stories in here. If not, I can carry it over to the next hour, but I don't want to. I want to get these both out of here because I got some other stuff I want to talk to you about. So there's a school district in California's Bay Area that's launching an initiative to train over a hundred students to become, you guessed it, critical race theory activists. Okay, so anyway, there is the Martinez Unified School District that's located just inland from Berkeley, California that's preparing to train students to become left-wing activists. And, of course, that's so that they can help uh, become the torchbearers for the next generation. So who's involved here? Well, Lori Watson, the CEO of Oakland-based racial equity consulting firm Racework, their primary purpose is to interrupt systemic racism and calls on allies to become co-conspirators. There's a reason they use that language, and it's actually inept. It's pretty inept description. You are a co-conspirator if you were involved with this, because some of the things they do, well, it may not necessarily be illegal, especially in the state of California, but you could raise a moral question or two at the very least. Anyway, while a lot of different equity consultants aim their training at teachers and administration with the understanding that it will trickle down to the classroom, well, Watson and company, they're targeting their agenda at the children directly. Her student leaders anti-racist movement, uh, a.k.a. SLAM, it seeks to, quote, empower and mobilize students as catalysts for change through an anti-racist leadership youth movement. In other words, they want to teach the racism that is anti-racism to every student in the system and have them once again believing that dichotomy that we were talking about earlier when it comes to 
the oppressors and the oppressed. If you're white, you're an oppressor. I'm sorry, doesn't matter if you're an ally, you're still an oppressor. Blah, 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 yakety smackety. If you're not white, then you're oppressed. And we need to get out there with anti-racism, which, again, even Ibram M. Candy will, will tell you exactly that anti-racism, uh, by definition, even though his definition of racism is kind of, uh, well, lacking in the realm of definitions, it still comes down to uh, it's racism against the people who've been racist against you. And in this case, it's just racism against white people, period. It doesn't matter if those particular white people have been racist against you, because in their view, all white people are racist, period. Uh, there's no innocent white people in the racism game. It doesn't matter. Uh, anyway. So this group, Race Works, or I'm sorry, Race Work, not Works, it's not plural. Race Work asserts that students who join SLAM... Again, that's the Student Leaders Anti-Racist Movement, SLAM. Students who join SLAM will, quote, deepen their personal racial understandings and, and elevate their racial consciousness as they develop the skills and tools to, to disrupt systemic racism within their school, communities, and larger society. In other words, go out and become a troublemaker. That's literally it. We're going to teach you to community organize. Well, well, what are we organizing? Are we doing something positive? No, we're destroying systemic racism. Uh, okay, well, what in our community is systemic racism? All of it. All of it? Yes, all of it. You've got to tear it all down. It's all part of the... White cisgender patriarchy. So, you know, it's all got to go. It's Western civilization, man. Anyway, the program also promises to help students to, quote, think about the social, cultural, and political aspects of their experiences with a focus on race, of course, while urging adults to co-conspire with the students. Come on, join, the students are the leaders. Uh, you guys are too old to, to, to be leaders. In fact, some of you have probably helped build this systemic, racist, mm, crazy community. So, you know, join in with the children as they burn it all down. School district stated that it was considering partaking in SLAM, it's part of the district's diversity, equity, and inclusion initiative. Back in a September 11, 2023 presentation included in the school board's minutes. The board later unanimously voted to approve a one-year contract for SLAM on the 25th. So they had the presentation on the 11th. By the 25th, they all voted. Not a single dissenter to go ahead and give them a one-year contract, you know, just to see how it goes, see if it works, see if the parents, uh, you know, demand their heads. Can't have that, after all. The parents paying attention and all. Mm. So Watson, again, the person running the organization, Race Work, Watson's been the target of criticism in the past due to her diverse social media posts 
on race. Uh, one of which read, and I'm quoting here, Black people, America hates you. And she misspelled America, by the way, uh, intentionally, so that it sounds like America. Black people, America hates you. No, they don't. But anyway, included in the board meeting minutes is Watson's proposal to this particular school district, which stated that the first year of the three-year program would cost 37 thousand five hundred dollars while the second would cost thirty seven thousand and the third would come with a price tag of thirty four thousand two hundred and fifty dollars for a grand total of you guessed it california taxpayer dollars one hundred and eight thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars that's not bad for three years work now granted it's not nba money but that's not bad because there's only one school system, and they're doing this with more than one school system. Now, this isn't a, a one-and-you're-done thing. I mean, for uh, still taxpayer dollars that's going to pay for this. One document from the district explained that the program will be available to 60 students at two high schools for a total of 120 students and that SLAM will be approved for subsequent years pending the success of year one. Now again, I want to remind you that $108,000, uh, nearly $109,000 for three years is still only going to be available for 60 students at two high schools. Now, the three-year program is split up into three sections, learning, articulating, and working. Uh, so, learning critical race theory, uh, articulating, which means just learning all the talking points uh, so you can regurgitate them on command, and then working, and that's actually going out into the community and burning everything down. So, Three sections, learning, articulating, and working, all with the intent of developing and elevating capacity for student racial equity leadership. That was a quote, by the way. Anyway, by year three, students are supposed to, quote, lead the work of anti-racism in ways that are most meaningful to them. Race work adds that collaborative efforts between SLAM and administrative leadership in the schools is what drives the work. It requires the adult capacity to authentically share power with the students. In other words, let's turn the keys to the asylum over to the inmates. Watch this program includes full-day seminars with students and meetings with staff advisors, but she assures that Additional coaching slash consulting may be requested uh, at a additional price tag of $350 an hour. Uh, that's on top of the $100,000 price tag. <sighs> race work unabashedly pushes critical race theory. 
the organization's website is replete with calls to disrupt and dismantle the inherently racist educational system. And the supposed need to consider, quote, how we unwittingly assist in the reproduction of racial order. Well, it's clear that they're on board if this is what they want to teach. Watson's company has also secured lucrative contracts from multiple other California school districts. Racework raked in $43,000 from Hayward Unified School District back in 2021 and just under $30,000 from San Rafael City Schools uh, in 2022. They have made a lot of money taking taxpayer dollars from the state of California and putting them to work for their own coffers. Putting them to work at creating good little social justice warriors. All right, I don't have a whole lot of time here, but I think I probably still have enough time to mention it because it's really... It's been an ongoing story. We've covered this for a while. I didn't get by with the blurb here. Quick hit. You can do your own research after the fact. California taxpayer dollars are also going to bankroll gender surgeries for prisoners. Now, we've talked about this in depth. We've talked about uh, the identification thing. Oh, I identify something different. Uh, I'm a dude and a rapist. Uh, Put me in the women's prison because now I think I'm a chick. Okay, well, they've done surgeries involved here, and the state has spent over $4 million on life-altering procedures for 157 inmates since 2017, and that's according to uh, their own records. In 2017, California became the first state to pay for prisoners to go under the knife if they wanted to present as the opposite sex. Since then, California has spent $2.5 million on uh, vaginoplasties and hundreds of thousands of dollars on other transgender procedures. Uh, You know, like fake breasts, laser hair removal, facial feminization. Uh, They spent a lot of money on this. Four of the prisoners that are benefiting from the millions of taxpayer dollars were convicted of crimes that placed them on death row, and still, they got to take the money. Prosecutors in the state can still seek the death penalty, but no one has been put to death in California in 17 years. The California current governor and presidential hopeful, no matter what else he says about it, Gavin Newsom, placed a moratorium on the death penalty in 2019. People who think they're transgender have rights, quoting here, of course, and they should be treated with dignity and respect, but it does not include taxpayer dollars being used to do surgeries that are experimental at best and scientifically unjustified at worst. This from attorney Harmlet uh, Delton, who has represented California inmates uh, in the past. So here's the deal. All right, quickly running out of time for this hour. It's insane. There's nothing new about it. California's full of insanity. What do we do now? We just continue to look at the ridiculous level 
of taxpayer dollars that are being wasted on this project. It's been over $4 million since 2017 so that prisoners who've lost their right to freedom can game the system, which is what a lot of them are actually doing. All right, let's reset the hour. And when we come back on hour number two, we will uh, jump right into things. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Hey, y'all, this is Derek Johnson. You can find me at DerekJohnsonCountry.com. And you're listening to Tim Tap and Tapping Through the Truth. She's hair pulled back in a camo cap with a catfish on the line. She's an evening gown, night on the town, candlelight and wine. She's shy, she's bold, she's like a nice cold fireball whiskey shot. She's a big high five on the 50-yard line. She's a real cool kind of hot. When her long hair's blowing out, I roll down window. My old truck shines like a brand new limo. I'm the guy with the big old smile and all the selfie shots. She's like an August day when you're bailing hay in that lemonade hits the spot. She's fun and free and lets me be me. She's a real cool kind of hot. Yeah, real cool kind of hot. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being here as we dive headlong into hour number two. Uh, before we get into hour number two, let's start by talking about our good friends over at the Harvard Gold Group. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, there's no doubt about it. You really need to be prepared for the damage that's being done by the Biden administration and their idea of what passes as economic theory, it's horrific. The the devastation, the level of inflation that uh, has hit, it's just, it's unbelievable. When it comes to your privacy, they're trying to introduce this digital dollar. The digital dollar, completely programmable, will end your privacy. They'll know where you're spending money. They'll know how you're spending money. They'll know what you're spending money on. And with it being programmable, they can also decide to turn it off. They can decide that uh, maybe, maybe they won't let you make certain purchases. So how do you deal with the privacy issue? Well, you know, gold and silver they are hard money, uh, have been accepted as legal tender uh, between individuals and multiple governments for thousands of years, and they're outside of government control. Recessions, like what we've been dallying about, they still claim we haven't hit. Historically, gold and silver go up significantly in value. The devaluation of the dollar, the inflation, out of control government debt and money spending, uh, money printing really devalues the dollar, which again creates the safe haven that gold and silver provide. The bottom line is gold and silver are a hedge against volatility in the stock market, against the inflation of the dollar, and against all kinds of other crazy governmental outside undue influences on the value of your dollar. Diversification may also be on your mind. Nothing wrong with having hard assets. Diversify your paper portfolio into a hard asset of gold and silver. You're going to do well if that's all you're looking at. So here's the deal. 
If you're looking to protect your IRA, your retirement wealth, then the folks over at Harvard Gold Group has got you covered. If you're looking to just acquire actual physical gold and have it delivered to you, again, they've got you covered. So what do you need to do? Well, it's pretty simple. You can go to harvardgoldgroup.com or you can give them a call, request a free investment guide in either case. You can call it 844-977-GOLD. That's 844-977-4653. Be sure to mention TAP into the truth. Be sure to mention promo code TAP, T-A-P-P. You do either one of those and uh, you will qualify uh, once you make a qualifying purchase for additional free gold and silver on top of whatever other uh, current uh, specials they've got going on. So take full advantage of it. Be sure to mention this show or my name, TAP, T-A-P-P. But when you do it, you do it by reaching out to them. Get that free investment guide. You're looking at harvardgoldgroup.com. Or just give them a call, 844-977-GOLD. That's 844-977-4653. All right, now, I think that's pretty well got you covered, right? So what we're going to do now is we're going to jump back into the show. i got some topics I want to get to that I haven't mentioned yet. Uh, there's this one story that I'm a little surprised we don't seem to be discussing hardly at all. Now, uh, at the time that I'm broadcasting, it hasn't been talked about very much. Maybe by the time you guys hear this, that will have changed. But um, Russia has decided to withdraw from the Treaty on Conventional Armed Forces in Europe, CFE for short. Uh, they did that on Tuesday. Uh, NATO allies responded by announcing that they will also withdraw from the treaty. Now, the CFE, which limited categories of conventional military equipment that countries of NATO and the then Warsaw Pact could use, was signed all the way back on November 19th of 1990. Signed off on by 22 separate countries, including 16 NATO members, the United States, Belgium, Canada, Denmark, France, Germany, Iceland, Italy, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, Norway, Portugal, Spain, Turkey, and of course, the United Kingdom. Six Warsaw Treaty states also signed. We're talking about Bulgaria, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, Poland, Romania, and the Soviet Union. Now, fortunately, the Warsaw Pact Treaty folks uh, there's a little different alignment in who they align with now. Back in July of 2007, 2007, you may prefer to say, Vladimir Putin announced that Russia would suspend implementation of its treaty obligations in 2015. The Russian Federation announced that it would not actively participate in the treaty. The, quoting here, the CFE Treaty was concluded at the end of the Cold War when the formation of a new architecture of global and European security based on the cooperation, 
seemed possible, and appropriate attempts were made. The Russian foreign ministry uh, officially said that this is the done deal now. They said this on Tuesday, citing the addition of Finland to NATO and Sweden applying for membership as reasons for its withdrawal. So again, they said that since the end of the Cold War and the creation of this new alignment, they're talking about the EU, they're talking about uh, being able to cooperate with the Russian uh, Federation, they were just they didn't see it was necessary any longer to acknowledge the treaty because the reason for the treaty didn't exist anymore. But they were kind of miffed that Finland's been allowed in and Sweden's probably going to be allowed into NATO. So in a statement from NATO now, according to the alliance, Quote, the Allies condemn Russia's decision to withdraw from the Treaty on Conventional Armed Forces in Europe and its war of aggression against Ukraine, which is contrary to the treaty's objectives. Russia's withdrawal is the latest in a series of actions that systemically undermines Euro-Atlantic security. Uh, the official statement from NATO then went on to explain how Russia routinely violated principles that undergirded international order, saying, quote, Russia continues to demonstrate disregard of arms control, including key principles of reciprocity, transparency, compliance, verification, and host nation consent, and it undermines the rules based international order. While recognizing the role of the CFE as a cornerstone of the Euro-Atlantic security architecture, a situation whereby allied states' parties abide by the treaty, while Russia does not, would be unsustainable. <clears throat> Therefore, as a consequence, allied states parties intend to suspend the operation of the CFE treaty for as long as necessary in accordance with their rights under international law. This is a decision fully supported by all NATO allies. So ends the quote. NATO then offered an opportunity for other countries to join them in their effort to bring security to the European continent by saying, quote, allies reiterate their continued commitment to reduce military risk and prevent misperceptions and conflicts. Allies strive to build trust and confidence based on key principles of transparency, compliance, verifications, reciprocity, and host nations' consent, thereby contributing to peace and security. Allies invite those states to share this commitment and these principles, to join our efforts to also contribute to increasing predictability and stability in the Euro-Atlantic area. Oh my gosh, could these people be any more full of themselves? 
<laughs> okay, so fancy language on the international stage, especially when it comes to trying to look like you're not the bad guy. It's a necessity, all right? It's reasonable. Number one, Russia is not necessarily wrong in so much as being upset about the expansion of NATO, okay? We agreed we wouldn't do that, and then we're doing it. You can say what you want to about that, but if you violate the terms of an agreement, then the agreement's done. But, see, I want to go back and revisit NATO's little statements about how it's unsustainable if one side of the treaty was to continue, this of course being NATO, if they were to continue to abide by the terms of the small arms treaty, or, well, not the small arms, but the conventional arms treaty, if they did it, but Russia was violating the principles, if Russia wasn't abiding by the treaty, then it's unsustainable. Well, of course it is. You don't have a treaty anymore once it's been broken. And you basically, in your explanation, accuse Russia of already having violated the treaty. Russia hasn't been actively engaged in this treaty since well before Vladimir Putin first said, hey, you know what, uh, in the future we're going to stop. They had already stopped. So what is the real conversation here? I mean, they go on to say that, quote, our allies unanimously share our view that a situation for the United States and our NATO, NATO allies continue to be militarily constrained by the CFE treaty, while Russia, whose armed forces are the largest in Europe and who continues to actively wage a war of aggression against Ukraine, using those very forces the treaty aims to constrain, is not, would be unacceptable. That's from a White House statement. But again, the question is, why is this a story? Why are you making such a big deal? Uh, do you just want to make an official announcement? Okay, well, fine, let's do it. Official announcement. Hey, we're out. This treaty is now null and void. We pay no attention to it anymore. But there's another reason. The other reason is a pretty obvious one, too. Uh, they mentioned Ukraine several times. This is about taking the gloves off. This is about saying we're not going to be constrained anymore. And it's either A, a bit of a bluff, or B, just an excuse to keep sending more money, more weapons, and who knows what else into Ukraine to stand opposed to Russia. And you notice they make no mention of the fact that they had violated different treaties in expanding NATO and possibly even uh, attempting at some point, presumably after the war is over, to bring Ukraine into NATO, which literally puts NATO right there on the border. Ukraine has been a buffer zone between NATO and Russia. And there's nothing wrong with that. Russia is legitimately concerned about the military aspirations of what NATO may be up to, and they probably should be. NATO has become a bunch of wusses, as it would be apparent, but there is no end to the level of their desire to expand. 
they would very much like to exhibit a great deal of power and authority over anyone that's silly enough to fall into their little snare. Now, we're not talking about NATO now. We're talking about the EU. We're talking about the kerfuffle of the UK trying to exit the EU. We're talking about the efforts to punish Poland by the EU because they refused to just open their borders and take in refugees just because the EU said so. They literally want, they are the, the modern version of the Roman Empire. They certainly see themselves as having more power than any Caesar ever did. Oh, excuse me, Caesar. Uh, we know you are the greatest emperor with the most power ever, but uh, yeah, it's nothing compared to what we do. Mostly because our model is based on the greats. You know, like Mao. <laughs> our model is based on collectivism, socialism, ismism. It's based on some stuff that's not so great for freedom, not so good for liberty, certainly doesn't respect your rights to self-expression, uh, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. No, no, no. None of that applies. Not in the EU and not in the UK, uh, even after they've exited the EU, because, you know, socialized medicine, right? The state has the ultimate authority over your health. So, again, you don't have the same rights that you should. Of course, we see that in Canada as well. We see it literally throughout the Western world with the exception of here in the States, and we've got plenty of leftists pushing for it. Now, it doesn't matter much. Nothing's really changed here. It's just an official acknowledgement that they're no longer going to be portraying this. Now, some people were talking about this, and they're like, oh, well, this, this indicates a, a new level of escalation in the war in Ukraine. No, it doesn't. Now, it opens the door to the possibility of an expansion, but it doesn't really mean that they're planning on it. This isn't an indication of anything other than the fact that they're going to be a little more honest about sending in arms, sending in money, whatever it is they plan to do especially if it's cash and it's going to get laundered. Uh, thank you, Piggy Bank of Ukraine. So ultimately my point here is don't put too much, don't read too much into this, but at the same time, you really should try to understand what the situation on the ground truly is in this particular incident. Okay. There's another story, and I may have to kind of break this one up, because I'm definitely going to discuss it for an extended amount of time. Then I'm going to try to sneak in one more story before we're done, and the mid-hour break's upcoming. I'm not going to take it super early, so I may just have to either take the mid-hour break late, or I may break it up, but... Uh, I'll make that decision as I go. So stay right there. We're going to jump in. This is a story that you're probably not going to hear too much about. 
Uh, so this one's right up my alley. This is a headline you may have missed. There's a German city, Tengerhutten. Uh, Tengerhutten, uh, if you're American, Tengerhutten. If you're German, uh, and if my German's not so great there, I blame it on my East Tennessee tongue. Sorry. <clears throat> so this German city has announced that it's got plans to rename a daycare center because migrant parents have expressed concerns that the current name doesn't accurately reflect the diversity of the community. So the daycare center in question, its current name, Anne Frank. It's the Anne Frank Daycare Center. Uh, for those of you who maybe are just listening to the show for the first time, maybe you're uh, a leftist who doesn't know your history and you're just trying to see what's this crazy guy talking about, uh, in case you need to know, Anna Frank was the Jewish girl whose diary was published after she died. Uh, she died at age 15 in a Nazi concentration camp. Uh, that Anna Frank, the diary of Anne Frank, Anne Frank, uh, that's the one. So according to local reports, migrant parents have been complaining that it's, quote, challenging uh, to explain to their children who Frank was and why her story matters. I'm, I'm not kidding. That's legitimately the argument here. Now, according to reports, um, in one in the Jerusalem Post, by the way, the daycare center's director explained that parents with migrant backgrounds feel uncertain about the name and find it challenging to explain to their children. An open society advocacy group argued that there were certain age-appropriate ways to discuss Frank's story with younger children and objected to the change. They said in a statement that especially as anti-Semitism is on the rise in many areas, renaming the daycare center sends the wrong signal. The city's mayor, uh, and Andreas Brom, said that uh, the name change will go forward in spite of any concern noting that Anne Frank did not fit the parents' push to embrace a new focus on diversity. What? First of all, I, I don't understand why the mayor of a town is renaming a daycare center in the first place uh, unless this daycare center is run by the city. Now, if that's the case, then guess what? You get what you get. You would think the Germans would be a little more sensitive to... The issue of anti-Semitism, considering the history, you know, not putting too fine a point on it, but, you know, one of the worst people in history, and you know what I'm talking about. But why do parents looking to embrace a new focus on diversity matter. I'm sorry, why does that matter? Because the diversity is there because you guys haven't done a good enough job protecting your borders and vetting the people you have coming in. And I'm sorry, but Anne Frank is a matter of historical prominence to the German culture. 
I mean, oh, you're going to say, oh, no, 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 that's that's not true. It is important because, again, this is, goes back to whitewashing history. I would like to know, because the articles that I found trying to look up the storyline, they were all very, very nondescript about who these migrants happened to be and why focusing on the diversity that they represent, whether or not that might actually represent just a touch of anti-Semitism in itself. I would like to know that. Ultimately, the parents and employees wanted a name that was more child-friendly. This is going back to quoting the uh, governor, uh, the governor, the mayor, by the way. Ultimately, the parents and employees. Oh, oh no, now it's the employees. It's not just the parents. <clears throat> We're going to blame the migrant parents. But the employees also wanted a name. That was more child-friendly. What's not child-friendly about Anne Frank? A, a name that's better suited to their concept, or their concept, uh, diversity. Their needs are more important than the global political situation. Uh, Quoting again, migrant parents successfully got Anne Frank's canceled in Germany. Seems a little on the nose. This from Guy Benson, who responded to the news in a post on X, formerly Twitter. Guy went on to say, imagine telling yourself in 2013 that in 10 years time, the Germans will be canceling the Anne Frank kindergarten because of Diversity. <sighs> There's more responses that were all over X, formerly Twitter. Uh, you're welcome to look into it. But here's the ultimate issue, the real problem with the whole Anne Frank situation uh, having to be having to go through a name change. The, the issue. It's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. And I kind of already hit on it. It's a whitewashing of history. It is a time. And and the fact that the, the mayor of the city, the fact that the mayor of the city specifically points out global political situation. Clearly, they understand that anti-Semitism uh, it, well, it's been on the rise for a while now. I don't think it ever really went away. It never really went very far. It was beneath the surface in a lot of places. It had been pushed down far enough beneath the surface in several places around the world that it seemed like it had went away. But it was always just below that surface, always ready to, to pop up like what we've been seeing lately. But it doesn't matter who's making up the general population of this city. You don't make name changes like this to accommodate those who might find a little Jewish girl who plays an important part in history, might find her name on a school, on a daycare center, on a kindergarten, to find her name attached to this educational area 
as offensive. Because the problem here is that if you find Anne Frank's name offensive, you're the one with the problem. It's not the school, the kindergarten, the daycare center, whatever it is. You're the one with the problem if you find the name problematic. You're the one with the problem if you find it challenging to explain to your children. Why? How is it hard to explain to your children unless unless your particular community for which you're part of, from which you migrated from, which culture you brought with you, just so happens to have sided with the Nazis during World War II and happens to be extremely anti-Semitic in its very core. Now, that might make it difficult. It's very hard, say, if you were, I don't know, a card-carrying member of Hamas, and you migrated into Germany, and you're living in this town now, and your children are going to this daycare, you might have a hard time saying, yeah, well, they named it after this little Jewish girl. Don't know why. They like being reminded that they killed a lot of uh, these Jewish children. She died in the concentration camp. So, you know, the Nazis got their way on this one. See, there's, there's literally a million ways you can go around it, including you don't even have to explain why it's named that. <laughs> you could just lie to your kid. Uh, it's not like certain groups don't uh, think that lying in the uh, service of their so-called faith is actually a requirement. You know, Takia, look it up. Uh, <laughs> it's not as if. You couldn't just say, well, you know, that's who built the school. Clearly, it's a lie. I would presume that somewhere in the school daycare, I mean, I I really would imagine that somewhere inside they have a plaque or poster or something uh, memorializing Anne Frank and telling at least part of the story. So you don't even have to tell it. You might just have to explain why you shouldn't care that much about it, depending on, you know, your point of view. It feels to me as if the mayor, in this case, is actually giving way to political pressure, as opposed to pretending like they're ignoring political pressure. I mean, come on. When you have an open society advocacy group that's stamping up and saying, this is too much, and then Mayor Brom just says that we're moving forward. We don't care what anyone says about why we shouldn't. Uh, The parents and the employees want a name that's more child-friendly and better suited to diversity. Their needs are more important than the global political situation. Their needs are for a place for their children to, you know, go to this daycare. Their needs are daycare. And if they don't like that particular daycare, why not send them somewhere else? Why do you feel the need to change the name when you're talking about a historical person, okay? That's literally the same thing as here in the States when you're changing the names of high schools away from that of presidents uh, to be 
more along the lines of some great social justice warrior instead. The idea is absurd on his face, but they do it in the name of diversity. It just, this story, it just gets under my skin. It's clearly motivated, again, from a point of anti-Semitism. I mean, that's the only explanation. Oh, the global political situation has nothing to do with it. We need to deal with the needs of our people. Now, what is the point here? Why do they keep referring to them as migrant parents? Because these people migrated there from the Middle East. Why does this daycare center have to be renamed because they don't want some little Jewish girl that made Nazism look terrible in the eyes of the world to to be the namesake for this school because it's very, very hard to separate Anne Frank from the Holocaust and there are a ton of people that migrated into Germany that are Holocaust deniers. There's a a large number of these people that migrated into Germany specifically because the role Germany played in World War II. The fact that their ancestral people sided with the Nazis. I just, it continues to aggravate me to no end. You would think of any place, if any place on this planet would be more sensitive to what this actually means. Why did you name this daycare center the Anna Frank Daycare Center in the first place? Why did you do that? There was a reason. Does that reason not matter anymore? Or was that reason still nothing more than virtue signaling? Not based on any actual virtue. Not based on any actual principle. Or maybe the current mayor... Mayor Brom, just simply doesn't share the same values of the people that decided to initially name this the Anne Frank Daycare Center. You see, in my mind, Anne Frank is a perfect name for a daycare center because you're talking about someone who, as a young person, faced horrific circumstances and found a way to bring meaning to their life and to impact the world around her, even after her death, through the publishing of her diary. Now, you can say what you want to about what's in the diary. You can say what you want to about blah, 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 blah. None of that matters. It's all noise. The real point here is there should not be a name change. The people of this city should stand up to this. They should call out the mayor. They should make it clear to the mayor that they're not going to be mayor anymore, and they're going to put in a new mayor who will change it back. And every migrant who's moved there that has a problem with it can either find a new daycare center or they can deal with it. Because being more inclusive doesn't mean that you bend over backwards to accommodate a different culture. Being inclusive means that you welcome people from other cultures to meld into your culture. That's what inclusivity means. You have 
inclusivity of ideas, you have inclusivity of values, and you meld them into your own culture. You don't have multiculturalism. You don't allow them to keep their own culture. If they come there, if they want to live in your communities, they need to be part of your community. And being part of your community, the community that was already built, the community that already exists, that means that they adopt your values. If they get there and they can't, they don't like it, they decide that's not for them, then they should move on because they already migrated once. They can keep migrating. They can drift along like the American Southwest and just roll along like a tumbling tumbleweed. They don't have to set roots. They don't have to set up numbers to eventually uh, take over communities and create no-go zones and eventually just claim your country and the name of their faith. And if you think for one second that that's not what's happening in a large percentage of these cases, then you're not paying attention. I mean, for the love of Pete, we have no-go zones in the United States now. It's not an acceptable situation, but it is the situation. It's going to continue to get worse until you pay attention. And one of the things you do is you stop allowing your own culture to be devoured by the influx of migrants, no matter where they come from. These are dangerous times, boys and girls. These are dangerous times. We'll talk more about that on the other side of the mid-hour break. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. This is Kathy Barnett, the National Grassroots Director for the Vivek 2024 Presidential Campaign, and you're listening to Tap and Tap into the Truth. Even with the current level of tyrannical oppression against we the people, there are still millions of Americans who don't give a darn. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Sometimes I wonder if numerous misguided Americans don't care about the tragic unfolding of wicked government actions being waged against us because jackbooted government thugs aren't yet pounding on their front doors. Far too many today cannot seem to comprehend that government oppression does not start with gas chambers. It usually starts with one political party controlling the message, one party deciding what is truth, one party censoring speech and silencing political adversaries and locking up popular political opponents, one party dividing sovereign citizens into groups of us and them while calling on rabid supporters to harass them. Government oppression gets started and into high gear when good people and those who think they are good turn a non-caring blind eye and let it happen. If you see anybody in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. I'm Ron Edwards. Bye now. Second Skull is a protective headgear company 
with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. With an estimated 2.8 million Americans sustaining a traumatic brain injury each year and a half a million children being treated in the ER each year for a head injury, there have been recent declines in athletic participation levels. We believe that concerns and fears of head injuries are factors contributing to these declines in activity levels. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. Our product line of thin, lightweight, breathable, and practical solutions are each tested at independent and accredited laboratories. These products are patented and proven. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. In just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top Six in the World in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. When I invented my pillow, my passion was to help each and every one of you. And 20 years later, all of your support is what keeps us going. Because of you, we've been able to create thousands of USA jobs and help millions get the best sleep ever. To thank you, my employees and I are bringing you a limited edition my pillow. The Giza Elegance My Pillow is made with my patented adjustable fill, the most amazing cotton, and a two-inch pipe gusset. It has four custom loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and you get my 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code TAPP or call 1-800-659-9936. That's MyPillow.com with promo code TAPP. Use your promo code to get your limited edition 20th anniversary MyPillow queen size. Retails for $69.98, now only $19.98. That's right, get a queen size MyPillow for only $19.98. From all of us here at MyPillow... Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. Hey, Jared, what's up? Well, my company gave me this Pride T-shirt. They say I got to wear it to celebrate the LGBTQ. That's not really my thing, and, well, I sure as hell don't want to promote it. Yeah, I can understand that. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'm just tired of all this woke bullshit. I mean, I've worked 20 years for this company. Well, they've been great until they started all this crap. I just want a job where I'm not forced to support all this nonsense. Yeah, I hear you. I'm Andrew Krabstadt, CEO of RedBalloon.Work, America's woke-free job board. We connect good employees with great companies without all that woke bullshit. 
So if you're an employee who's tired of all the nonsense, then put your resume on Red Balloon. And if you're an employer looking for hardworking, reliable job seekers, then post your open jobs at redballoon.work. I'm Andrew Krabschatz. Wait, no, it's okay, guys. That's just my last name. I'm Andrew Krabschatz from redballoon.work. Check us out today. This is Ed Dowd. I'm with Finance Technologies, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for staying with us through that brief break. Uh, for those of you that are visiting mypillow.com, if you like and still want to make sure that they understand I sent you, you can go to mypillow.com backslash T-A-P-P. Uh, you do that, uh, they'll still tell you to use promo code TAP, uh, but they'll remind you multiple times, and you'll still get to see all the great specials. Now, when it comes right down to it, uh, the more you guys visit, uh, the better off you're going to be because you're going to have more great products from my pillow and you know i i have heard some people who've had issues with the pillows i haven't heard very many people having issues with the sheets or the bed toppers or the sandals the slippers the moccasins uh, all the really cool stuff but the thing about the pillows is that nine times out of ten uh, if you had an issue with the pillow, it's because you didn't get it to the proper setting. These pillows are customizable, and you really need to order just the right pillow. When you get the right one, uh, you've got a really good product. Now, also want to spend a moment to remind you that when things go sideways, you need to make sure that you're going to be prepared. There's a lot of you out there right now that are concerned that you might have to go a long time without electricity or even food. That's the big reason I keep trying to introduce each and every one of you to 4 Get the preparedness products that you can use now and that could save your life later. Doesn't matter if you're needing something like the very powerful Patriot Power Generator 2000X or if you just need to get some of the 4Patriots best-selling survival food kits, uh, delicious-tasting food designed to last up to 25 years, man, it's just good stuff. More and more smart people every day are finding 4Patriots, and I keep asking you guys to join the over 2 million customers that already trust them. I had the folks over at 4Patriots set up a special page just for listeners of this show. You can go to the number four, patriots.com backslash T-A-P-P, so that you can see all of this week's discounts and special deals. Uh, go see it before they go away. Go to 4patriots.com backslash T-A-P-P, but hurry. The deals won't last long. Save more and get some peace of mind. Go to the number four, patriots.com backslash T-A-P-P. All right, we got a little bit of time left, and I'm going to have a little more time than I initially planned to talk about this last story that I was going to get into. And in a way, it's kind of funny, and it's another story that a lot of people have been talking about because you get to add a little humor to a situation that's pretty bad, really. 
Indianapolis police say that they arrested a woman this past Friday who drove her car into a building that she thought was a Jewish school. This 34-year-old was arrested and charged with criminal recklessness. She told the officers on site that she had been watching news coverage of the war between Israel and the Palestinian terror group Hamas. She'd been watching this on TV and had planned on attacking this building after seeing the Hebrew Israelite symbol on the front of the structure, which she said offended her. Now, again, what makes it funny is that most of you regular listeners I know already know this, but the Hebrew Israelite group, they're not exactly the Jewish people. They're not Israelis. They're a group of uh, anti-Semites who claim that you have to be black in order to be a true Israeli. Their symbol was on the front of the structure, and that offended this uh, young lady. So she passed by the building several times, eventually backing her car into the building while several adults and children were inside. One adult a three-year-old, a two-year-old, a one-year-old, and a seven-month-year-old were inside when the crash occurred. And this all according to court records that are already there. Thankfully, nobody was injured. The police report said that officers were called to the building around 11.30 a.m. on Friday to investigate a hate crime. The woman kept calling the building an Israel school, according to the police, and referenced her people back in Palestine. <clears throat> However, the buildings used by the Israelite School of Universal and Practical Knowledge, that's a group that's connected to the black Hebrew Israelites and has been labeled anti-Semitic by the Anti-Deformation League, uh, primarily because they're very much anti-Semitic. <laughs> You don't just get the label for no reason, right? Now, essentially, the black Hebrew Israelites, they believe that people of color are the true Israelites. And the Southern Poverty Law Center has also designated the Hebrew black Israelites as a hate group. So even folks on the left recognize this as a hate group and as being anti-Semitic. When the Southern Poverty Law Center abandoned you as a left-wing organization, then you've gone a step too far. Now, police said that the woman told officers, yes, I did it on purpose, and admitted to committing a hate crime, literally described it as she hates the Jewish people. Said this during a phone call with a family member, said, yes, it was a hate crime. I hate it. I'm attacking it. Now, police dubbed the woman a terrorist. She's scheduled to appear in court again on Wednesday of this week. Uh, some of you may be hearing this on Wednesday. Uh, I may or may not follow up on the story. But for the love of Pete, this is where the lack of moral clarity has led the nation to be. Some people have kind of played this out as being uh, a bad guy going after other bad guys because, you know, clearly it's one anti-Semite 
going after a building that actually it's operated by other anti-Semites, but one of them being too stupid to know the difference. And this was an act of stupidity. I, I don't know that I disagree with the police when they also say that it was an act of terrorism because you smashed your car into a, a building that you thought was a school, a building that you knew there were children and adults in. This should be more than a hate crime. This should be attempted murder. Now, if this lady had been wearing a red hat and been screaming MAGA country at the top of her lungs when she backed into it, she would already been thrown under the jail and would be in the American gulag. She wouldn't be allowed legal representation. She would be locked up forever. But between this and the attack on the Jewish gentleman in uh, California that they're now looking into who got hit by a megaphone and then fell in his head. Uh, Jews are being attacked more violently in areas where they hadn't been previously uh, facing this level of danger. Now, there are sections in New York and sections of California, and particularly Los Angeles, for example, where anti-Semitism's never really dipped down. It's been prevalent and has always remained as such. We've been talking about it for a while. We've talked about multiple stories. But at this point, we're literally talking about someone being deranged enough to drive their car into a building that they thought was a school, a building that they thought children were in, and this is the level of how dangerous it has become. People are being targeted, again, simply for being Jewish. Now, some of these people are too stupid to even know who they're targeting. But this is why we don't rename daycares just because Anne Frank's name is on it. We face the reality of the Holocaust. We face the reality of anti-Semitism, wherever it is. We call out anti-Semitism. It's just another form of bigotry, one that has no basis in reality. We look at actual histories instead of altered, nuanced histories. And, you know, the difference between uh, the truth and my truth. This lady's truth was she saw that Hamas is being attacked by Israel. She ignored the fact that Hamas attacked Israel first and then didn't have enough sense to even figure out what an actual Jewish school might look like. She just wanted to go hurt him. She didn't care. Car, deadly weapon, smash. And again, uh, when you look at who she ended up targeting and how stupid she was about it, it's kind of funny, but just because this individual is inept doesn't mean that the next person carrying out an actual terrorist attack will be even halfway as inept. I mean, we got a ton of folks coming up from Venezuela right now. And in case you're not familiar with it, Venezuela has been heavily influenced by Hamas as of late. You've got all kinds of outside foreign influence between Russia, China, and yes, Hamas. Hamas sent some of their leadership that had been hanging out in Qatar to Venezuela in order to help proselytize because they have this allegiance. The left has an allegiance to this ideology 
that is exactly identical to Nazism. You have people now standing up on American college campuses who are proclaiming the joys of the movement of Hamas and ignoring the fact that they're emulating their hero, Hitler. So they too are are holding up Hitler as a hero, whether they acknowledge it or not. They've lost their minds is what's happened, but we knew this. It's not like they had much of a grasp on reality to begin with. You went down this uh, little hole too far, and now you can't claw your way back out of it. So you believe that you can be queer and still be good with the worst of the Islamic radical terrorists. Uh, you believe that a man can suddenly decide, oh, well, I'm a girl now, and that uh, they can give birth and uh, chest feed a child and all this other biological absurdity. You believe that there is no social contagion. It's just we're finally recognizing that uh, three-quarters of our nation had been transgender all along. The insanity level is clear. It's obvious, and it's, it's at a tipping point. And if we don't restore and embrace reality soon, the nation itself is at risk. And make no mistake about it, that is the whole idea. The purpose is to destroy the country from within. They must shred the Constitution to tiny little pieces, and they must destroy the Republican and create a banana Republic in its place so that they can go about doing the things they want to do, and there will be no place left as a bastage of protection of liberty. That's the goal. These are the times we live in. So remember, be careful who you associate with. Be careful what you tolerate. Inclusion is one thing. Embracing folks is, is a great thing. Don't lose your culture and don't be bullied into thinking that you have to surrender common sense. Because you're not going to be safe either way. That's going to be it for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much for being here. And as always, I appreciate it. Remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort. And most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth.
control is using both hands. Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep. To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep. Powerless if the good are unafraid. 